0: Welcome to the David Suiza podcast. Uh, today, we're delighted to have my friend Rabbi Danielle Hartman, leader of the Shalom Hartman Institute, and really one of the great thinkers in the Jewish world today. Welcome, Danielle. Thank you. Nice to be here. David. So, one of the things I wanted to talk about is you're you're a scholar, uh, and I've been I've been to the institute, I've studied there, and uh, I saw your you know you write a lot, you study, you learn. And at the same time, you're the leader of this organization, which means that you have to meet donors, you have to do management, you have to hire people, and there's all that stuff. And I was wondering how you negotiate these two hats. Uh, is there a part of you that would just love to be the scholar all day long? No. Okay.
1: Um, the, I come from a tradition that Torah is great, because Torah is great because it leads to practice. You know the famous discussion in the Talmud where the rabbis want to know what's more important? Is Torah great or is practice great? Which one's greater? And they said, oh, practice is greater. And then Rabbi Akiva says, no, 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 study of Torah is greater. And they all agreed that the study of Torah is greater because it leads to practice. My whole soul, my, my, everything within my body is committed to making sure that Torah and Judaism is a force for good in our world. And so I, I have no fantasy to live in an ivory tower. The ivory tower doesn't interest me. My commitment to ideas is because I'm committed to the world. I'm committed to what ideas could do in a world. And actually, when ideas are an end and not a means, they become destructive. They're also not corrected by the world. And so part of my job is fundraising. It's true, but I find that when I fundraise, I talk about what the Institute does. I'm meeting the people who I'm supposed to be serving. So if my ideas aren't resonating with people, there's something wrong with my Torah. So life is complex. You always want to, there's something else you want to write, you want to do, but I, I want, my passion is to change the Jewish world. I want a Jewish people who love each other. I want a Jewish people for, for whom separating from each other would be, is just inconceivable. I want a Judaism that's meaningful, that's that's that has conviction, that's inspiring. Um, I want Judaism and Israel t- to be a force for good. And so, for me, Torah, even my in- whatever it is, this that's the end. Everything else is a means to serving that. You know, in our tradition, the highest thing you could be is a shaliach tzibur, you don't want to be a leader. You want to be a shaliach tzibur, an emissary of the community. So there's there's this. Are you a shliach tzibur Are you doing your job as an emissary of the Jewish people with faith? And if I could do that, dayenu. Um, um, and so ba- my job is to try to balance the two. Well,
0: you know, uh, Danielle, you don't take the easy way out because I could be speaking today to a shliach of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, and he could be saying the same thing to me. You could be saying my goal is to bring more light into Judaism, is to upgrade, it's to make the Jewish world a better place and so forth. But I never hear any criticism of Israel from Chabad Shliach uh, or criticism. It, it's like it feels like it's 100% positive. That's not the route you've chosen. I have read your stuff for years now. You've had so many difficult issues that you've had to bring up when there's something your country doesn't do that you agree with and you have to take it on and and it's really difficult and I read what you write and I see the pain in your heart yeah I know. you know so how do you how do you make the Judaism the Jewish world better when you have to like be so critical at times
1: first of all you have to make sure that you that uh, um, it doesn't get to you Um, my favorite verse in the whole Torah is in Leviticus 19 where it says, "You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy." And um, doesn't say you are holy; it says you shall be holy. Now, how could we become holy if we don't criticize? Criticize. I don't criticize in order to um, to distance, or I'm not criticizing in order to let myself off the hook. Criticism is an integral part of love, of a commitment. We have to be a to be Jewish is to constantly strive. To be better, to be Jewish is to, is to fight mediocrity. Um, now, if you want to, if you believe that chosenness is just one leap from self-congratulation to the next, and that all you're looking for in your study, is to discover the new ways in which you're outstanding, it's. Uh, you're, you're creating a Judaism that's mediocre, and I think we're failing in the mission that God gave to us.
0: Right, but uh, I can tell you, though, in America, self-criticism being, has become fetishized. It's that's become right. a fetish. So, they, we It's become an object of worship. And one of the things, you wrote a piece recently that really kind of shook me up. And, you know, I, I guess the prime minister did something that shamed you. Are there boundaries, Danielle, to
1: criticism? Of course. And see, first, Was of, it difficult for you to write that piece? Very difficult because I don't like, um, I like, to, sp- I like to, sh- to speak about ideas to try to inspire people to, to be critical of, their, of themselves. In general, people don't like critics from the outside. You know, the, the Jewish people's greatest critics were the prophets, but they didn't influence anybody. The only successful prophet in Jewish history was Jonah, and he, criti- he criticized Ninva, the non-Jews. <laughs> Nobody likes critics. I'm, so I'm critical, but I don't want to be the critic. I'm critical because, you know, you, you spoke about learning. One of the things that anybody learns is what we, we, Jew, philosophy 101, Socrates, knows that he's the wisest man on earth because he's the only one who knows that he doesn't know. Learning begins with knowing that you don't know. A moral journey begins by recognizing that you are not all that you ought to be. How do we teach? Not in order to distance. Today, you're right. Criticism. It's we're all in each other. we're in different camps, and the purpose of criticism is not to talk to the other person, but it's to validate yourself. I have no interest to validate myself. My I'm, my job is to make sure that the Jewish people step forward constantly, constantly try to take another step forward. So the fetishized self-criticism that you're talking about is not a criticism of love. It's not doesn't have a, a vision or a, an, an end. It's about self-validation and in many ways distancing from the other, not as a vehicle for bringing us together and taking us for, forward.
0: Well, I think we've, we're making a very important distinction here because... Uh, a lot of the self-criticism that I'm referring to is not really criticism of the self. It's that's criticism right. of Israel. That's right. And it's we're, we're misusing the word
1: self. See, that's perfect, because it's not self. It's, it's not self. It's self-criticism. It's, it's self-validation. I'm, not in, I'm never engaged in the criticism of others. It's of no interest to in me. It's not in, Criticism, a critic has to be, Michael Walter has this phenomenal book, on, on social criticism where the critic always has to be an insider. The social critic has to be an insider. We're not engaged in social criticism today because we don't do it as insiders. We're doing it in order to justify walking away, to to say, oh, you know, I love the saying, he doesn't get it, like this, like, like I am the enlightened, I get it and everybody else doesn't get it and my the purpose of my discourse is to show how much I get and, not, and how much the other person doesn't get. That, I'm, this is my people. I, it's this is my Israel. Everything that I do, I'm not. I'm. I'm a teacher. A teacher, is someone who recognizes that they do not know, is someone who recognizes that they do not fulfill everything that they say, but who has the job and the task of putting before our myself and my community, ideas of who we ought to be. now. Now, if somebody finds that when I get up and I say that Israel, should be the place where refugees write home to all of Africa and say, you would not believe what happened to me. I won the lottery. I, somehow of the 60 million refugees in the world, I got to be with the Jews. I am by those people who were slaves in the land of Egypt. And you know that people are are, are inviting me to their home on Shabbat? That it doesn't matter that I'm black and it doesn't matter that I'm from Africa. It doesn't matter I'm a Christian. These people are saying, oh, I, my grandfather was a refugee. He says. All, this is what we should have done this it, this was the moment where all of our Torah was waiting. We were waiting. This is not a security issue because when it comes to security self- preservation is also a value this is not this was a moment where where Israel Jewish power, Jewish values were going to meet the road, and it was there it was ready, and our leader even signed the deal it wasn't a perfect deal, and anybody who wants perfect also has no interest to me. Part of my Zionism is that I'm not I don't live in an ivory tower, just like I run an institution. Israel's a real place. You can't it was a compromise. 16, 18,000 were gonna stay. It was perfect. And we were gonna deal with the citizens of Southern Tel Aviv because they weren't gonna they weren't gonna be only be on their back. We were gonna distribute the refugees all over Israel. We have thirty six thousand refugees out of sixty million in the world. And this was a moment where the leadership of Israel should have said, here it is. Let's now stand up and say, what does it mean to be a Jew? You shall be holy. He should have turned to the Jewish people of Israel and say, you shall be holy. We are supposed to be a force for good. We know what it was like. And paradoxically, I don't know if you know this, in 2006, Netanyahu signed a petition to Olmert. Olmert wanted to kick the Sudanese. Who had come to Israel back in 2006? Out, Netanyahu signs a petition of 63 members of Knesset, telling Olmert that we must we must treat the refugees because we were strangers in the land of Egypt. That's same Netanyahu. So I wrote the article not because I'm happy. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm not ashamed. Grudging. It's, it's, I'm not grudging. I'm not trying to say. I'm saying Netanyahu. You 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 heard us. This was a moment where 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 Jews should have emerged, where your Judaism should have emerged. You are. When I said you're, I'm ashamed. Of you. What I was saying is we you should have done you you're better than that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it because I'm I'm saying because I care about you. I I love Israel. And in that same letter I write, I'm not ashamed of Israel. I was ashamed of you. Israel's a journey. And as my colleague yuta Kurtzer says, Zionism is, is a journey of imagine, of imagination. It's imagining the Israel that we want and working for it. And unfortunately, Netanyahu lost his imagination and settled for short-term politics. So when I criticize, it's not because um, there's blues and rights and, and, and the left and the right and those who love peace and hate. I hate those labels and I hate the simplicity. You and I, we've been talking for years and our relationship is exactly... Because we don't go with those labels. What is if, you're, if, you're, if, you, if you don't think that Abu Mazen wants peace therefore you don't care about peace mm-hmm. or you don't care about Arabs, it's mm-hmm. all these. or if you care about this you don't care about security we we've 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 flattened the discourse and uh, the goal of my criticism is it's not to be critical it's to it's to broaden it so that we could think and continue an ongoing journey of trying to fulfill a little bit closer you shall be holy
0: you know you talked earlier about the uh, real torah leads to practice right so the reality of today's world is that politics is an inherent part of this practice. That's correct. And then it's, it seems to me there's like a, a disconnect because we, we talk about these beautiful Jewish values, but somehow they never, they never enter the world of politics. And why is it that there's such a disconnect between politics and these great Jewish values? Why did no one in the Knesset, in the world of quote-unquote practice, have those sensibilities
1: that you just articulated? That we failed. And it's hard in the Middle East. The Middle East, you can get really stuck into survival. And I, can, uh, and I live in the Middle East, and I can understand it. We're in a really bad place. Where it's, there's people who really, they wake up in the morning, and they want to kill me. <laughs> this is not a theory. They, they actually, like I was thinking, I was talking to, Hamas in Gaza has spent $2 billion dollars To dig tunnels. Instead of taking it, building houses, infrastructure, business, they've spent $2 billion over the last five years to dig tunnels. Do you know how many Jews these tunnels could kill? I'll tell you, 20. Mm. (laughs) Because after the first terror attack into a kibbutz, where they get to, maybe they'll capture five people. I'm not belittling 20 people. In our tradition, one life is a whole world. But at the end of the day, the minute the first attack takes place, the army moves in, shuts down the zone, moves everybody out. Could you imagine a society spending $2 billion to kill 20 Jews? So in that environment, it's, it's sometimes hard to... To, to it's kind of hard to pull out these to, to even to even have the courage to say you shall be holy. You now I what our challenge is: you shall survive.
0: Right, holiness becomes <laughs> almost a luxury.
1: A luxury, and so, but it's not. But it's it's not. It shouldn't and, be. And that's you know, and like, what are are you politically right wing, left wing? What your whole career is a career to say these labels. Um, I you, you go label me. <laughs> I, I don't, don't. And it's the same thing. And so you're right. I, I. What I feel, what frustrates me is when in Israel, if you label yourself on one issue, there's a whole other slew of issues that you somehow line yourself up on. And our whole educational goal, the teaching of the Institute, is I don't care if you're politically right-wing or you're politically left-wing. I don't care if you're one state or two states. I don't care if you um, believe that Abu Mazen wants peace or doesn't want peace. What does a Jewish country mean? And whether you're on the right or on the left, Jewish values have to be a part of your politics.
0: You know, it's interesting because they're already living it. I don't know if they realize it or not because I just came back from Israel. And for a country that's obsessed with survival and with security, you wouldn't know it. Walking in the streets, I there know. are thousands <laughs> and thousands of people having an amazing time. You know where the 11th happiest country? This does not look co- I know. like a country who's obsessed with security, although I know that they are. It's,
1: it's true. It's, 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 you're, you're right. It's... Uh, we're the eleventh happiest people in the world, so they're already used to. <laughs> but we don't. But you see, it's 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 that we're living, but deep down, like Iran is trying to build bases in Syria, like we it's like it's in our we are watching it. Like, what are you doing in Syria? Like, right. what do what, like. What, did, have I, what have I ever done what to you? It, yeah. <laughs> like, what, I, don't, I can understand Palestinians. Like, what did I ever do to an Iranian? Like, get up in the morning. What Your, your economy's filled Like, build your... Like, why is it that you're getting up and you actually just want to kill me? So what happens is is that living in Israel is schizophrenic. We really are. And, and part of Israel's greatness is that we haven't yet become... We're not a Middle Eastern phenomena. Mm. We've created an island of unbelievable prosperity where instead of blaming other people for, for reality, we get up and imp- take responsibility for our world. Mm-hmm. We have built a exemplary society. It's a flawed society because everything that human beings do is flawed. The one f- non-flawed society in the world, let them please stand up. Of course we're flawed. Our job, though, is to look at where we're flawed and to improve it, but we've built something. But there's this, there's this schizophrenic reality whereby, on the one hand, we take responsibility, we work, we're building something phenomenal, but in the back of your mind, you always know, and it's in the news all the time. There's a whole bunch of people here who, they don't, it's not that they don't like me. They actually just want to kill me, literally. And then in that environment, it's hard to have these types of values discussions. But that's our challenge. Being Jewish was never easy. Um, our job is to do the difficult thing.
0: And I think maybe the refugee crisis sort of got lumped into That's the right. fear of the stranger.
1: That's exactly correct. You know, which connects to the fear. Of... And they manipulated it also mm-hmm. because in the midst of danger, politicians, the politics of fear in Israel is not a manipulation. It's a reality. Mm-hmm. Let's, it's, really, it's not, it's not 9-11 from, it, this is, you know, every, it's not, I don't know, what is it, 8-15, uh, 18, this is real. Polit- all politics in Israel is the politics of fear, but sometimes you can fall in love with it, and then you could try to manipulate it. And part of what happened is that this, um, the refugee issue, was used to, to, to secure a base. Um, the us them mentality um, sometimes, um, instead of describing your reality, could become um, the 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 base of your political um, support, and then you. Instead of serving the people, being a shalich tzibor, the people are serving you. And I think here, that's why I was so upset with the refugees, because the refugees is not about terror, and it's not about economics. It's not about the political divides. It's on Pesach, Israel decides to get rid of refugees. The Pesach Seder, this is us? We, we could do better than that, and we have to. Not just there, but on, that's why very, it was just a symptom. But uh, the Israel that I love and the Jewish people that I love are people who we have to we have to work.
0: It's not to allow the reality to contaminate us because the more I see it, the, what's happened is that the, the reality has become so much more difficult, and in a way, the enemies of Israel are creating these right-wing coalitions that are more and more intolerant. You know, it's sort of scary. I know. I've often said, you know, I wish, I wish that, you know, a super left-wing prime minister would come into power, you know, with like the whole J Street energy and offer everything to the Palestinians and then they would... you know, they rejected. It yeah, because right now we're, Israel is being sometimes unfairly blamed. I know. Uh, I, I, I but know. it's a real challenge, and I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. It's like the ultimate Jewish challenge. Like you have every reason to justify a security-obsessed nation, and you have every reason to, to have justifiable fear, but at the same time we can't forget our Jewish values. That's we right. cannot That's forget it because so, once we do, what are we
1: here for? What are we here for? Yeah. What do we There was a time where the sole purpose of Israel was to create a place where Jews could live. Jews could not be safe. At the beginning of the 20th century, there was a very valid argument that Zionism made that most Jews rejected, that if Jews are going to be safe, we need to be out of Christian Europe. Mm. We're never going to be accepted in an anti-Semitic world. The purpose of Zionism today is not, is not only that Jews should be safe, the purpose of Zionism is that Jews should fulfill their mission of being great. And we can't forget it. But, it, but we also have to recognize that from 10,000 miles away, it's very easy to be an armchair critic. It's when you, the closer you get to the Middle East, it's, it's you, you have to be uh, much more cautious. And I think Netanyahu's base of support is that people trust that he's cautious. His challenge, though, is to be cautious politically, but to be brave morally that's and i and 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 it's there that i believe that over the last number of years israel's government it's not the policy i don't think anybody could have created a palestinian state it's right now as i you know there's this one state two state debate i'm a two statist i always have been i call myself a, a pro palestinian zionist um, i i want a palestinian state because as Jews, I recognize my rights to sovereignty, and I'm happy. I want someone else to fulfill their, um, to fulfill their rights to sovereignty too, if possible. So we say, one state, which, what two sta- what functioning Arab country? What state? Like what do you mean one state, two states? How do you have two states? If there is isn't one-functioning Arab country today? who are you giving the other state to? So the, rea- the closer you get to the Middle East, you realize this, but at the same time, you have to still aspire. So if I can't implement it, but that doesn't mean that I, have, that I allow xenophobia or racism or discrimination. So how do I live in the Middle East, be responsible in the Middle East, but still maintain my values? You know, it's funny. Every
0: time I have a Hartman conversation, <laughs> it's like 10 years. It's like the one word that always comes into my mind is the word struggle. It's just a struggle. And every time I have great conversations with you, I always feel this is i'm in front of an injur- of an individual who's constantly struggling and it, and and the start that question that comes to my mind right now is that struggling is really inherent to the jewish condition but are the struggles different right is the challenge of the struggle for an israeli jew living in israel should it be the same as an american jew here living in the diaspora and i think sometimes we confuse the two and we feel it's that true. we should have the same struggle how do you distinguish between, you know, the, the two struggles of living great, in the great Holy Land? Great question. Night.
1: First of all, as you said, struggling, that's our name. The name Israel is Sarita Im El Vatuchal. You have struggled with God and and prevailed. That We got our name. We are the struggling people. Um, we're also the stiff-necked people. Uh, <laughs> we're both the struggling people and the stiff-necked people. Um, the struggles are sometimes the same and sometimes very different. Um, they're the Jewish, Judaism today is facing two deep assimilationist um, dangers. In North America, the assimilation is to assimilate out of Judaism into our American identity. The, the, there's a, we're Jewish American and in Israel we're Jewish Israelis. In America, the, we are in the, we're, we are a beloved minority and we can become part of America to the extent that our universalism swallows up our particularism. Instead of particularism being the way in which we relate to the world, we could drop our particularism. This is the danger of America right now. You could we could be America is such a great place. You don't need the particular baggage of Judaism. So we could the, the Jewish American could just become an American. The assimilationist danger in Israel is that Jewish Israeli could become an Israeli. Um, that that the values, what is Israel for? We could just become a nation like all of the nations who prides itself in being the most moral country in the Middle East. That's not a very high standard. <laughs> it's really not like being the best. <laughs> you don't have to really work that hard to be the most moral country. We could be Israel, a nation in the Middle East, and and assimilate into nationalism. Mm. And so both countries have different struggles. And, and you're right, I struggle. Um, I struggle because I'm struggling Number one, that I don't want to accept any simple answers. I don't want to accept simple labels: left wing, right wing, orthodox, conservative. I don't want the labels. I'm I'm struggling because I'm I'm looking to be a force for good, and and I'm not I'm not a. My father used to say, I'm not a company man. (laughs) I I want to do something of value, Um, and in each community, the 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 dangers we face now are very different. And uh, we have a lot, it's precisely though because of those those differences that we have a lot to learn from each other. And what
0: about on an individual basis? For example, the the liberal Zionist who criticizes Israel all the time here in America uh, compared to, Zionist in Israel who criticizes Israel. It seems to me that there is very little struggle going on among Israel critics here. It's just sort of a one sided, linear. I don't ever see the struggle of that I hear from you in terms of the challenges that the Israeli voters have to face. There's a certain arrogance that I feel from somebody living comfortably it in could America. Be.
1: Again, we all, we, uh, uh, very often the the voice that we choose to articulate publicly doesn't reflect the nuance that we feel. And we have to be, we all have to struggle. You remember Socrates, <laughs> the wisest man is the one who doesn't know. Take your label, take your political position. And now if you're certain that you're right, you're of no, you're, 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 you're boring. You're uninteresting. Mm. I don't care if you're politically right or politically left. I have, you have to know that you're wrong. Now, when you criticize, when you talk, from a basis where you know that you don't know. That means you have to listen to the other side. You don't discount it. Mm-hmm. It has something to give to you. Mm-hmm. It's the, the multiplicity of voices is, is, is part of what you have to, be. when you don't hear, you can't anymore um, speak. So the, the simplicity or the, the, the monolithic dimension that you're talking about is because people aren't there. They think they know.
0: You know, Yossi Klein and uh, part of Hartman had a really interesting quote last week at an event in New York for his new book, Great a book, by the way. To a Palestinian oh, neighbors. You, you read the book? Oh, yeah.
1: I, I think that book is going to be one of the most important books articulating a core Israel dilemma, the core Israel struggle. I think that's going to be one of the most important books in the next decade. Well, you know, there's, he had a quote in
0: an event in New York last week The American left is quite different from the Israeli left. There is a sobriety, a maturity, and the mainstream Israeli left that you often don't find here. I think he sort of pinpointed the point I, I was know, trying to make. I know, but I would make.
1: challenge both to you and to Yossi, and I tell this to him all the time. We struggle also; not, <laughs> we also struggle with each other, sure, because um, that's part of our culture at the institute. Only if you struggle could you learn. Um, you want to hear the voice who you don't agree with, so mm-hmm. that you can grow. We also tend to caricaturize mm-hmm. the so-called left. Listen, that's where I am. I'm I'm a I don't know where I am actually. Uh, I'm left, center left. Um, so we allow, w- we name them. I think we have to also stop this whole phenomena of the vilification of the NIF. You know, this, this mm-hmm. whole, we're, we're, what's the term where we, we, we put on, st- we're, we're dumping. We're dumping on each other right now. Let's We're all dumping, everybody. Mm-hmm. They're dumping on Israel, this we're dumping on the dumpers, and this one, everybody's dumping on everybody and, and making other people far more flat than they are. Um, okay, it's true. We're not always in balance, and right now, um, there's been a government in Israel that a very large percentage of the American Jewish community doesn't identify with its policies, and so there is a tendency sometimes to get more frustrated, more angry, and uh, but we we have to correct that um, mm-hmm. and uh, and not allow those tendencies on either, either side, either those who vilify the right or those who vilify the left. First of all, this is our people. Are you committed to if you're if if you're, do you dump on your children? What do you mean you dump on your children? You're, as a parent, you always see first the positive in your child. Then you also criticize. But if you don't start by seeing the positive, they're not, this is my family. So the left is my family. The right is my family. But it doesn't mean that I think, you know, a parent who thinks that their kids are the greatest Nobel Prize winners of the universe is not exactly a helpful parent either. So it's it, it's about yes. balance.
0: And I, I call it the struggle. And speaking of struggle, when I saw your book last year, I said, oh, my God. Putting God Second. Wow. You must have had courage to come up with that title uh, for your book, How to Save Religion uh, from Itself. It's one of the most provocative books I've seen in a while. How did you come up with that? Was it the culmination of That's years and th- years? It's the, it's, it
1: was my life experience. I've um, I'm a professional Jew. It's my job to be, ju- I, I'm Judaism salesman. Do you wake up in the
0: morning <laughs> and say, my mission in life is how do I make the Jewish world better? Is yeah, that like, that's is my that your,
1: your that's my mission, I mission up, in life? That's you, my mission in life, and I don't go to sleep at night um, because I feel that there was, have I done everything that I'm supposed to do?
0: And this is your whole life. That's
1: this it. is from the. This is what I do. Mm-hmm. This is and literally, like sometimes I do something good on a certain day, and I say I look like God. I say God, I did good by you today. I did good by you. This is, my father raised me. I was ra- I was conditioned to do this. My father said to me, Daniel, it's on your shoulders. It's on your shoulders, and I take that mission. Very, very seriously.
0: Do you ever feel guilty if you go like water skiing for no. a couple of hours? No, no, no. no. Then, <laughs> I've had too much no, fun no, here. No. How I, I helped the Jewish no, world in no, no, the no, last no. two hours. <laughs> no, no, no. I,
1: I take I do it day by day. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's, it's just balancing. and a little vacation's fine. I'm, I'm I'm not that obsessed. Um but it's a very um it's heavy. Um it's heavy And and, and this book on putting God second how to save religion from itself was was seeing too many people who precisely because of their religious commitment and not despite their religious commitment um, are morally insensitive and aren't fulfilling what I believe is Judaism's core mission. You know, Hillel. um, I love the story of Hillel when the convert comes to Hillel and says, convert me on condition that you could teach me all of Torah while I stand on one foot. And Shammai hears this guy and says, get out of here. You're not serious. And Hillel says, you know, I understand you as asking me, what's the essence of Judaism? And Hillel answers, what's hateful unto you, do not do unto others. That's the whole Torah and the rest is commentary. And part of my experience as a rabbi and as a Jew is seeing that very often, unfortunately, the more committed you are, the further you are away from Hillel. And I couldn't understand what's going on. Like, why is it? But this is Hillel. This is our tradition. What is happening? And I began to think about this and, and I and, and 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 experience this that maybe it was actually it's not that people weren't hearing but that religion itself has a potential to be destructive that when God is put first morality is put second and you
0: quote scripture you quote Torah oh, In the all the, book, the time all the time really problematic sections can you give us an example of one uh, the Akeda. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> that's one of uh, oh yeah who the,
0: wants a father like that who wants a father I've, like th- i've <laughs> always had oh my god don't don't get me started on that one like we could, it took me 40 years Danielle, <laughs> to like have some tell sanity on that and i'll tell you it was like i think i think abraham Failed the test because, you know, every, I, 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 I went to school for years and years, and it was always the cliche, look how great he was. He had such faith in God. He was ready to kill his son, and I'm thinking maybe it was the wrong test. Maybe <laughs> God was testing him. Like how, what kind of a God would want me to kill my kid? It was a trick question. Maybe what God was expecting me to say was, I how can I think of you, God, as someone who wants me to kill my kid? I think higher of you than that. So I think the answer is I'm going to reject it because I don't
1: think you want me to do this. But he doesn't. You see, so what I'm asking is why doesn't he? Mm -hmm. And what I I developed this notion of, of religion's autoimmune disease, of where is it that religion attacks itself. For some people, when God enters into the room, I call it God intoxication everything else disappears their their values their their priorities their the common sense that you just mentioned mm-hmm. what are you crazy <laughs> what you, you, what you want me to kill but but if god cuz remember this is one of the dangers of monotheism idolatry in this sense was less dangerous cuz gods weren't so big so i you know so i was committed to a god but you know i'm committed to lots of stuff but one god creator of the universe enters into the room and says to me something all, all my systems aren't built to deal with it. And monotheism, and if you look at the history of Christianity and Islam, the amount of death that was perpetrated in the name of God. And and now that we Jews have returned to power, more often than not, it is the people who believe in God who want us to go to war. It's the people who are more faithful who want us to fight one more day. Who it, that's So my book is about what is it? That that, that is inherent within religion that has that danger, and how do we overcome it? And I believe our tradition, without without giving God less power, without no, undermining, without diminishing. I know the last line of the book, the know, line the line of the book is if, that when you put God second, you're put God's you're putting God's will first. This is not a book. I this is not the the new atheists. This is a book which asks, as a religious person, how do we create a religious life that fulfills religion's goals. Because it's, it's, we are responsible to recognize that it's not an accident. It can't be that person after person after person who is killing in the name of God is simply getting it wrong. There has to be a structural problem. And unless we don't structure religion differently, and the structure that I'm recommending is putting God second, which sounds so revolutionary, but it's actually what Hillel said. There's nothing new. It's actually Someone said, oh, of course. Of course.
0: Is of it co- still an all-knowing, all-powerful God that we were raised to? Uh,
1: that's to, another. Uh, in it? the Bible, God is not all-powerful and all-knowing. That is more of a Greek phenomena. Mm-hmm. That's Greek influence. Greek theology ultimately influences Judaism, Christianity, and Islam in ways that in the, that do not exist in the Bible. The Bible, God is a much more human God who struggles and makes mistakes. It's One of the, the, one of the most beautiful things about the Bible is that God is... Is, is in it with you for the pluses, with the pluses and the minuses, the struggles, the failures. God makes mistakes. God struggles. We have to, our job is sometimes to also criticize and correct God. Moses, that's one of the major jobs of the prophet, is not to be the mouthpiece of God, but to be the conscience of God. This is the role of the prophet. Um, and uh, when Elijah doesn't play that role, God f- fires him from his, from his job. Moses is one of the examples of the great um, the great prophets who stands up to God and says, God, are you sure you want to do this? God just says, I'm going to wipe out the Jewish people. And Moses says, you know, God, what are people going to say? And, and remember, you promise. Abraham in, in, the, in Genesis 18, in the city of Zdom, stands up to God and says, will the judge of the whole earth not deal justly? So the God of the Bible is not the perfect, not the God of the three O's, omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. It's a God who, who is great, but part of this, part of greatness is also having flaws. And the Bible huma, hum, makes God far more human um, than later Greek philosophy, um, which had then influenced Maimonides. Um, the rabbis are still biblical. It's, it's really from Maimonides that we create a new vision of God, which I think is actually we, we make God so perfect that you can't even... You can't even relate to it. You can't touch it.
0: Is the world ready to hear this message? Because, you know, I speak (laughs) to my religious Muslim friends and I don't think they're ready to hear that message. If anything, God is greater than greater. It's just God is great. And this idea of a, a human God that struggles and that's flawed is extremely appealing to me. And at the same time, I wonder if the world is ready for that kind of a God, Daniel. Um,
1: I don't know. My job as a teacher is Mm -hmm. to put the ideas out there, is Mm -hmm. to ask, do I really believe that this idea could be helpful? Um, I'm not in indoctrinization. I'm in education. My job is to put the ideas. Can they handle it? Some people can't. But when you can't, beware. You're creating something which has potentially profound destructive force. Because when something is so transcendent, and at the end of the day, what this transcendent God says, you're, you're the one who has to interpret it. So what you're ultimately doing is giving to human beings the potential control over that which they cannot control. And then there isn't, I know this is a complicated idea, but if God is so transcendent and you're responsible for saying what God wants to do, and, and, and this is what God wants, then there's no checks and balances in the system. So people, people it's frightening. But it's also will have to diminish people's power because right now we control the omnipotent, omnipresent, um, omniscient God. At the end of the day, God we're the ones who control God's God speaks the voice, whether it's in the God says, whether it's in the Torah, the, the, the Christian Bible or the Quran, but which chapter you read, what does the verse mean? That's always human. But when human beings deny their responsibility and say, Oh, it's God, and then we have the problem. Listen, God told me to kill my son. But more often, often, God never tells you to kill your son. In most traditions, God tells me to kill your son. <laughs> and uh, um, and uh, we lack some of the inner corrections that our traditions need. And that's why I'm walking around saying, put God second. God's will will be first. Put God second. What's hateful unto you, do not turn to others. That's the whole Torah.
0: Have you gotten any pushback? Have you uh, encountered? I mean, I'm sure you have Haredi friends. Have you gotten pushback from... People who've been offended by this idea. Oh, sure. Tell me about it. Give me an example. Oh,
1: there's. Listen, peop- Some people can't get beyond the title. Um, they say, "Why did you use that title?" And I say, "I use that title because that's the point." Mm. <laughs> I, I, one of the things you know about me is I also don't. I I don't whitewash. I just I say it as it mm. is. I'm not running for political office. <laughs> I'm not. My job is as a teacher, and if I'm not going to say something, then I'm not going to create a possibility for you to think. But beyond the title, did they get it, into a oh, substance? Oh, sure. Now, um, for some of them, it's uh, it's f- certain religious people believe that their loyalty to Torah means that Torah has to, by definition, be perfect, and that any failings can't be part of Torah. They have to be part of human failings. Mm-hmm. So when human beings don't live up to this to their responsibility— um, it's out, it's, it's we who failed by definition, God and Torah have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a book which grows very deeply out of the rabbinic tradition, um, which believed that if Torah is going to be perfect, it's because we make it perfect because mm-hmm. it's not in heaven. And so that idea is very hard, um, uh, for, for somebody who wants, uh, there's certain ideologies where I want, I want all the answers. Mm-hmm. I, so I, and for many of these people, what I say to them is, "Don't read the book." Um, I, I, I tell, like someone once, someone once heard my lectures. I was speaking about something, and they came to me, and they were talking, and I saw how upset they were. And I tried to explain. I saw they were still upset. And I said, "Do you know what? I'm really not a good teacher for you." I said that I can't be your teacher, because your soul is wired differently. I um, what I say is not meant for. you, it's, I, I I I would like you to hear it, but I see you can't hear. I said. I I said ignore I said if you want to put God second I say to people put my book second <laughs> take my throat away if I think God should be second my book certainly should be second or third
0: now w- w- were you concerned Danielle that uh for for some people they might use it as Sort of to let him off the hook in terms of religious tradition and Torah observance because they said, well, if I put God second, that means that it's how I relate to other people that really matters,
1: and why do I need to do Shabbat? I'm never concerned about that because I don't take myself so seriously. I wish that I would write a book. And as a result of that, people's lives would be changed. <laughs> also, I, I think an author, I, you, you write, our job, see, when you take yourself too seriously, you can't say anything. Mm-hmm. I know that my job as a teacher is to present to Judaism that somebody who wants a serious Jewish life will say, oh, that's a Judaism I could relate to. Those who will manipulate aren't doing it because of the book. Mm. It's not, the questions that I ask, um, they could use it as an excuse. No, I wish... I wish there was a teacher or an idea out there um, that 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 was what was responsible. Jews now, we have to understand, and you know this your whole career and life, we are fighting on how to get more Jews into the story, how to get more Jews from being spectators to be players.
0: Yeah, what I find in in America, I mean, among a certain uh, genre of Jews is they've elevated tikkun olam to such a level that they've created sort of their own Judaism based on what they like. For example, you it's know, anti-Konola. if Judaism for me is saving the whales and, you know, recycling and so forth, that's my Judaism, then why do I need to do those commandments that have to do with me and God? Because really, putting God second means putting humans first, and humans first are the commandments that deal with each other, right? But the commands that deal with me and God, well... You know, I mean, how do you compare lighting Shabbat candles with helping a homeless person?
1: I know a Christian radio personality asked me that question. I said, Listen, I said, put God second. I didn't say put God 14th. <laughs> I said, Second's not bad. Second. I said, Second. I didn't say 14th. Yeah. I didn't say kick. I, didn't say, I write in the book explicitly I, you can't reduce Judaism to the ethical. Right. Human beings are not just about ethicals, we're about culture we're about memory we're about faith mm-hmm. the challenge we face is to take all those things and to make sure that the ethical is primary but when the ethical is all you it beca- it's like it's as if you, you can uh, oh my family my job of my family is to do it for you have you have a you, you have to you have a meal
0: to, without you. spices
1: yeah but it's not there's there's song there's music mm. there's there's art um um, there's memory, and there's Shabbat, and that's what. And Shabbat is all of the above. Mm-hmm. It's all of the above. One of the beautiful things about the Ten Commandments is how complex a story it is. The last five are do the good, are universal ethics. The first five are about memory, identity, culture, holidays. Um, the building a Jewish life has to be a rich, thick story. And those things
0: go deep. One of my favorite things I ever heard from your Father of blessed memory, he was making a speech years ago. I cut it on YouTube, and he talks about how growing up in Montreal, how your grandfather and his father would work so hard during the week, and when Friday night came, he became a king. There was a beautiful Shabbat table. And your father was just in his high testosterone days, and the last thing he wanted to do was spend three hours at a Shabbat table. And yet his father would just keep singing all these <laughs> nigunim, you know. And it would so annoy your father, David. And then, and then David says, you know, and I kept asking him, you know, Daddy, why do you keep singing these songs? And then. And then his father said, because my father sang yes. these songs and my grandfather sang these songs and my great-grandfather sang these songs. And the point he ended up making was he realized that night he got the gift of irrelevance.
1: That's what his father he used to it always say. It was one said. of
0: the greatest he, lines that I've that ever his heard. his father taught and him the, a, gift, of, the no. gift
1: of irrelevance, which no, what, is... What I say to people yeah. is that you're not so interesting <laughs> that Judaism has to be meaningful all the time. I said, if you were so interesting, like that all you did was go from... One great thought to the next great thought. Then I'd have. To, I says you're. I says get off. Here. You're not so interesting that you need so much. If like when you, I, the, the purpose of song, the purpose of relationships, the purpose of you know that gift of irrelevance. Um,
0: yeah, he wasn't doing to please his son. No. There, and my, you know we're that? obsessed my, today. We we're used to sing a song. Worry.
1: We had a song that my my when my father's father died, um, my grandfather died. He taught us his song. There was a song that he sang, and he got it from Jerusalem. Like, we moved to Jerusalem. My grandchildren, our 14th generation, Hartman's living in Jerusalem. They moved in the 18th century to Jerusalem. And there's a tune. It's called Kol Mekadesh Shevi, which was his father's tune. It is, to call it a tune is, 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 is an act of Christian charity <laughs> because it's hard to actually, a musician would have great difficulty identifying any coherent musical Tone, which goes throughout the song, it's more maybe it's like it's maybe it was the original jazz of some like it was free, and it's aesthetically, on a scale of one to ten, somewhere between a minus one and 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 a one and a half, and uh, but we would sing it every Shabbos, and it's a long song. <laughs> I won't bore your. I won't oh, give me say, give me just give me. Oh mekadesh <laughs> Uh, ra, ilo. It's, a, it's a terrible song. I think I know it. It's unbelievable, th- and I taught it to my kids. Uh, it's interesting. Only one of my kids, though, made the effort, Said, "I'm going I'm to learn that song," and she knows it. The other two couldn't hear it. Um, but it's it's a terrible song. It's the most horrific song. But it was his father's Your song, song, and he wanted us to learn it, and so we learned it. When you learn it, th- does it become good? No, it just comes yours. <laughs> it comes uh, yours. It doesn't have to be good. It's just mine. It's like I, I, I'm not a good cook. Like at any aesthetic and any objective standards, you don't want to eat my food. Like when Because I, I believe that good meat is burnt meat, dry. If it's, a, if, it's like a, if it's like leather, ah, now it's kosher. You know, like this is good. <laughs> if it's chewy, that's like, but it's the way I like to eat. So part of the dick like Judaism doesn't always have to be the best but if you don't have parts of Judaism that are yours that that you do it the way you're supposed to do it that's that's the idea in the 10 commandments of honoring your parents the authority in Judaism is not the rabbi or the prophet the teacher of torah is your parent because it's through the parent that something stops being a truth and it becomes yours and you have to find those things that are yours. And that's what, it doesn't, it's like your house, it's your furniture. It's what makes it yours. And the beauty of ritual, not ethic, the beauty of ritual is that you, you you find your way to make it your own and then you love it. And actually part of the fact, knowing that someone else doesn't like it, it's just, just not, that's not what's important. It's the way I do it. Um, so I don't want Judaism to be well done meat um, or burnt. Um, even though to your audience, Try it; it's really quite delicious. With you, then sometimes have to hide it with ketchup. But but I don't want Judaism to be burnt. But but what part of Judaism is yours? And when it's only the ethical, it doesn't have memory. It doesn't have thickness. It doesn't have it doesn't have a past. It doesn't shape an identity.
0: I remember years ago I, I spoke to you and I wanted to know what it was like growing up with <laughs> David Hartman at a Shabbat table. And you, you brought up an anecdote, and at one point he wanted to speak about the parsha that week, and you said you were a little kid, and you said, "Well, Tati, uh, Rashi says," and the first thing he says, "I didn't ask you what Rashi said; ask yeah, you what
1: you say." Yeah, that's, Remember, uh, true was, story, right? Oh, absolutely, okay. <laughs> true story. This was a, but that's the way. Again, my father's challenge to me, and in many ways, the whole mission of the Hartman Institute, is how do we get Jews. To want to hear that question, but more importantly to come up with an answer. Don't mouth me somebody else's Judaism and then decide, oh, well, that can't be mine. Do you know how many people say, oh, I can't do this because it's... Get, we create these authorities that we can't accept. and it's, it get, Forget <laughs> the authorities. You're, and again, oh, Daniil, you're getting rid of authority? They got rid of authority a long time ago. I want to empower you. It's your tradition. Now get to work. Don't, don't spend your time arguing. Spend your time... Be, it's not a spectator sport. Build something. So you don't like that Shabbos? You don't like great. Build it. What is it that you want? And that's the way I was raised. Um, and my love and the greatest gift that my father gave me was the responsibility to create the Judaism that I could respect. On that note, thank you very much, Danielle. My pleasure. It's delightful to be with you.
0: Mm-hmm. Shabbat, 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 Shalom. Thank you.